It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. From the studios of 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa, Oklahoma, a proud Oklahoma City Thunder affiliate, I am your gracious and humble host, Derek G., welcoming you to another episode of the Locked On Thunder Podcast. Coming up on today's show, I will tell you what the loss of Zion Williamson for the New Orleans Pelicans and the loss of Clay Thompson for the Golden State Warriors means for Oklahoma City and its fans. We'll also give you our fearless predictions for the upcoming season. We'll give you the eight teams that are going to make the playoffs in the Western Conference, the order that they will make them in. We will tell you where Oklahoma City will finish this year. And I'll also take the low-hanging fruit and discuss Michael Jordan's comments about Steph Curry. My name is Eric G. I'm the editor-in-chief of Thunder Maven. Follow me on Twitter at Thunder Maven. We're a Sports Illustrated channel dedicated to covering all things Thunder. I'm also Pat Jones' co-host on 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, huge news in the NBA broke just after we published yesterday's podcast, and that sucked. Um, Didn't have enough time to go back and redo yesterday's show, but I found out as soon as we posted that Zion Williamson is out for six to eight weeks with a knee injury. So what does that mean for Oklahoma City Thunder? Well, first of all, if you're a fan and you were looking forward to seeing Zion Williamson this year play at the peak, unfortunately, you're not going to have that opportunity because the Pelicans show up two times this year. Both of those happen to be in November. The Thunder will play them three times all before December 2nd. And then they won't play them again until February. So February would be your first opportunity to see Zion as a fan. And in order to do that, you would have to go all the way down to New Orleans to see him play against the Thunder, which I might add, not a bad trip. Um, Obviously, a lot of great food, some awesome hotels you can stay in. And if you were going to make one trip this year to go see the Thunder play, I would highly recommend you go to New Orleans to see the Thunder and the Pelicans and get an opportunity to see Zion, provided that he's fully recovered by the time that rolls around. Now, what does this mean for Oklahoma City as a team? And 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 especially we need to throw in the fact that Clay Thompson also hurt. So here's what I came up with. Now, looking at my fearless predictions for the upcoming year for the Western Conference which I will give you at the end of the which I will give you at the end of the podcast I will tell you this I'll give you a little sneak peek telling you that in order for Oklahoma City to make the playoffs you don't have to worry about the Lakers or San Antonio or Utah or Portland you don't have to worry about overcoming any of those teams cuz quite frankly you're not the teams you have to be worried about are Dallas, Golden State, Minnesota, the Kings and the Pelicans. Well, the Pelicans have just been eliminated because you've got an opportunity to beat them three times before you before you even see Zion Williamson. You could have the series locked up three to one, 
and win the tiebreaker with New Orleans because if the Oklahoma City roster stays as it is from now until December 1st, the Pelicans are going to be easy pickings, not just for Oklahoma City, uh, but for a lot of teams in the NBA because you're talking about a team whose best player is who? What, Lonzo Ball now? Probably Lonzo Ball, Derek Favors, is that? I mean, there's just not there's, there's not a whole lot to go on with New Orleans. There, there's not a deep bench. There aren't a lot of really good starting players. And your most dynamic player, your once-in-a-generation type player, is out. So that really puts you behind the eight ball. So New Orleans, who was a very fashionable pick by some to make the playoffs this season in Zion first year, goes out the window. Now, as far as Golden State goes, here's the thing about Golden State. You're still, you still have a big three. In an age of the big two, Golden State still has a big three with D'Angelo. Remember, D'Angelo Williams is on this team. You still have Draymond and you still have Steph Curry. Those three pretty solid players. Solid enough to probably get you in the playoffs this year, but certainly a far, far cry from where you have been the last 10 years as an organization, certainly the last five years as an organization. So Golden State, much like everybody else, now comes back to the pack in the West. And just like everybody in this conference, it's a dogfight for all 82 games this year. That is a lot to ask of Steph Curry. Doesn't mean that they won't make the playoffs, but I would think since Oklahoma City sees them three times uh, uh, before the beginning of the year, those are all, again, winnable games because of their lack of depth. I'm not saying that Oklahoma City necessarily has better depth than Golden State. I'm just saying that those are now, you've now put yourself in a situation, or because Clay Thompson is out for the year, you're now in a situation, especially with all the three-point shooters you have, that it's not out of the realm of possibility to think that you could beat Golden State three times uh, before you see him again this season. And looking at kind of the way that the schedule sits up for Oklahoma City, you've got Golden State coming to town on Sunday, third game of the year for OKC. Then you got him again on the ninth, still in Oklahoma City. You'll see him again on, on November the 25th, and then you don't play them again Till you get well into the season, March the 28th, and Clay's still not going to be back. So, look, it's, it's time for this team to really, or you're going to have ample opportunities. That's what I should say. There are ample opportunities for this team to take advantage of some of these ailing teams on the schedule this year. So, as much as I'm upset that I don't get to see Clay Thompson come to Oklahoma City and heartbroken that I'm not seeing Zion Williamson. I'm happy that there are two teams that the Thunder will be fighting for playoff position that are a little bit wounded. And you can call that selfish, and I'm not a guy that roots for injury, but when they do happen, I certainly won't complain about it, and I'm not complaining about it now. Speaking of injury, time for your daily update on Andre Robertson. Yeah, because this never gets old. So according to Maddie Lee of the Oklahoman, she tweeted this out yesterday. I actually, I can't remember if she tweeted this out yesterday or today, but she did tweet out that Andre Robertson had participated in 17 minutes of a scrimmage. He was also able to go through everything and work out without really any restrictions. Wasn't anything that seemed to raise a red flag for Billy Donovan. However, add to this, 
And do not for, do not forget this, but but add to this. Eric Horn was on our station today, 97 won the sports animal here in Tulsa. And he was on with our um our the show that's on before eyes, our, our the show the show that's on before ours, RJ Young show. And Eric did say that Andre Robertson was having some difficulty getting up and down the floor, and he was going to have to work himself back into game shape. Um that 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 right th- that right there is probably the biggest piece of news you've gotten about Andre Robertson since he has been on the men and since training camp start is that if he's having problems getting up and down the court and what I say what I mean about that is that he's able to go up and down the court for about 5 minutes according to Eric and then eventually he gets winded. So this guy is nowhere near game shape. So if you're Billy Donovan and you're thinking about running Andre Robertson out there and he can only go up and down the court five times, how many minutes can you possibly play this guy? Are you going to throw him out there for three, four, five minutes during a game? Hope that he can just, through that and through practice, finally get himself back into game shape? Maybe that's what the Thunder do with him, but ultimately, right now, I don't think they've necessarily got plans for Andre Robertson. I'm not sure Andre Robertson has plans for himself, and as we have been ever since he's been injured and ever since we thought he was coming back last year, everything with Dre will just continue to remain on hold. This is the Locked on Thunder podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up next, I'll tell you what Michael Jordan was trying to do when he decided to say that Steph Curry was not a Hall of Famer. It's all right here on LOT. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off of your total purchase of $3.99 or more at Indochino.com when you enter the promo code Locked On. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Thank you for listening to the Locked On Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Eric G. If you're an NBA fan, we've got a podcast for all 30 NBA teams. So make sure you check that out on the Locked On Podcast Network, wherever you listen to podcasts, be it Apple iTunes or um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts as well. I think Spotify we're on. And we've got John Hollinger, who's former VP of the Memphis Grizzlies, former VP in basketball operations, and the godfather of basketball analytics, Nate Duncan, are doing a new show um, called Rejecting the Screen, where they talk about the biggest stories of the day. They do long-form interviews. That comes on twice a week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Being the biggest story of the day, or speaking of the biggest story of the day, and I'm going to bite. I'm just totally going to bite on this. Michael Jordan saying that Steph Curry isn't a Hall of Famer. And look, if you've watched basketball over the last six years, you know Steph Curry's a Hall of Famer. All right? Michael Jordan's just blowing smoke here. So why would Michael Jordan say that? Well, the easy thing to say, and look, I'll be the first to say I love to criticize Michael Jordan. There is nobody that covers the NBA that likes to criticize Michael Jordan more than me and loves to bash on Jordan cronies more than I do. But here's where I got to give Michael Jordan a bit of a compliment because what Jordan did here was savvy. This wasn't the normal straight-up Jordan hate that we saw during his induction speech into the Basketball Hall of Fame. This was Michael Jordan straight-up taking a page out of Donald Trump's book which says, look over here, don't look at what re- what is really going on. And what is really going on is this is a guy who's been more criticized than any other owner in the NBA probably over the last 15 years, save for Donald Sterling, okay? A lot of people have picked on Michael Jordan about his bad draft picks, bad player development, what have you. Well, you lost Kimba Walker. He's off to the Boston Celtics. He stayed in the division. And now you've got Mitch Kupchak, your GM, who's essentially saying things like Sam Presti saying, which is, we're not going to build this team through free agency. It's going to be half to build through savvy trades and good draft picks. No different than what's going on here in Oklahoma City, but people in Charlotte don't want to hear that. So since people in Charlotte are focused on Kimball Walker, how bad this year is going to be, the fact that in probably a lot of their minds, Mitch Kupchak isn't doing enough to go out and replenish the roster of the Charlotte Hornets, what do you do? You create a diversion. You say something that's controversial, that gets on the jump, that leads get up today. And if it didn't lead get up, it was going to be third, fourth story down the line because it's easy to talk about. And then everybody criticizes Michael Jordan, calls him an old man, say he's suffering from get off his lawn, from get off my lawn syndrome. It's just, it, it was brilliant. It was brilliant on his part to keep people right on the eve of the NBA season, or actually the day that the NBA season starts, to not focus on how bad his team's going to be, but focus on more Michael Jordan just being MJ. The other thing about MJ is, and this is something you've got to realize, and this is where I will kind of go after his cronies a little bit here, which is at some point, MJ Specter cannot continue to hang over the NBA. In fact, the only reason that it does, and I'm sorry if you've heard this before, is because people in my generation, Gen X, can't seem to let it go. We can't appreciate Kobe for what Kobe is or Kevin Durant for what Kevin Durant is or LeBron or or Russell Westbrook or whoever. We've always got to put up that comparison to Michael Jordan. And if you're not 6 and 0 in the finals, then you're not good enough. If you're not only 6 if you're not only not 6 and 0 in the finals, but you haven't led your original franchise to six final appearances and won all six, then you're never going to be good enough. Look, no one's ever going to be good enough. For a lot of people in my generation, and I'm in the minority, I'm not a Michael Jordan fan, never have been, never will be, for reasons we can get into in a later podcast, well, one, I just don't think he's that that great of a person. It's one of the reasons why I don't like Michael Jordan. 
and they're just other players that I enjoyed watching in the NBA. But it's because of us. It's because of us hanging on to the 90s that we'll always just give this guy way more value than what he actually deserves. Look, I'm not saying he's not the greatest to ever play the game. In fact, he he probably is. Arguably is. In your mind, he probably is. But I'm just saying it's been long overdue time to move on. And whether it's the shoes that people line up to buy or whether it's the highlights that everybody goes in YouTube or us even spending way too much time talking about him now, we must eventually break from this this whole infatuation with Michael Jordan. And maybe, who knows, those that are caught up in what he said today may eventually move on from that. I doubt it. And I would I would bet that at some point during the year when somebody accomplishes a goal that or, or accomplishes some sort of feat that Michael Jordan once held, we'll go right back and talk to it. This is the Locked On Thunder Podcast. I'm Eric G. Or we'll go right back to talk about it. This is the Locked On Thunder Podcast. I'm Eric G. Coming up next, our fearless predictions for the upcoming basketball season in the Western Conference. I'll tell you who's going to the playoffs and where the Thunder finish. It's all right here. Locked On Thunder Podcast. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You're listening to the Locked On Thunder Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. NBA season gets started tonight. Uh, Not without Zion Williamson. We'll be playing in Toronto as the Raptors raise the banner, even without Kawhi Leonard, because he'll be in Los Angeles with the Clippers to take on the Lakers tonight as what will be the most overhyped rivalry in the NBA this year. Hopefully, if it's going to be that overhyped, it'll become must-see TV. In fact, it it is must-see TV tonight because I want to see how LeBron and Anthony Davis are working together, and I want to see how Kawhi fits in with the Clippers, even though Paul George isn't playing tonight. And even though he's not playing for Oklahoma City, uh, what happened this summer is certainly bringing a lot of intrigue, and it has set the Western Conference on its ear. It's made it that much tighter. So, without further ado, and because it's obligatory that you do this on the day that the season starts, before the first tip, or normally you would do it the day before the season starts, I'm going to give you my rankings for one through eight in the Western Conference. I'll tell you who's going to the playoffs and where Oklahoma City will finish. All right, number one, not a sexy pick at all, but they added Jeremy Grant this year. They've got possibly the MVP playing for them in Nikola Jokic. It is, who else? The Denver Nuggets. They are the number one team in the Western Conference this year. I know a lot of people like the Clippers, 
But I'm going to go Denver. They've been together a little bit longer. We're number two last year. This year, I think they should be the favorites from the West to get to the NBA Finals. Number two, a sneaky big three. In an era of the big two, we've got a sneaky big three in the Utah Jazz. They are your number two team in the West. Wouldn't shock me at all if they ended up in the NBA Finals. Mike Conley, Spider Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. That is a great big three combination, like their bench, even though they got rid of some of their key players to ultimately make that trade happen. Quinn Snyder getting the extension. I see a lot of stability in that organization. If not this year, they're not that far behind from going to the NBA Finals. Number three, another sneaky big three. We always think about this being a big two, but when you're getting Yusef Nurkic back, you're definitely a big three. I'm going to go with the Portland Trailblazers here. I mean, come on. Dame Lillard certainly set himself up as one of, if not the most clutch player in the NBA last year during the opening round of the NBA playoffs against Oklahoma City. You re-signed C.J. McCollum. You're getting Nurkic back. You added Whiteside. Portland Trailblazers are the number three team. So my top three teams, Denver, Utah, Portland, all three small market teams. My first big market team comes in at number four. That's the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, There's a caveat to me picking the Clippers here because a lot of it depends on the health of Paul George. And if Paul George can't stay healthy all season long, that could knock the Clippers anywhere from 5th to 6th in the Western Western Conference. But you've got the 6th man of the year in Lou Williams. You've got Doc Rivers as coach, although Doc hasn't won a championship since the big three days of Boston. And at times I believe we sort of overrate Doc Rivers But I'll take the Clippers at four. Number five, I've got Houston. Look out for Houston this year. If Russell Westbrook and James Harden can be on the same page, don't forget they've got a sniper in Eric Gordon and they've got a legitimate big man in Clint Capella. The Houston Rockets a force to be reckoned with. Number six, I'm putting San Antonio. Team that nobody's talking about. Everybody forgets. You've got DeMar DeRozan. You've got a LaMarcus Allridge. You've got Patty Mills coming off the bench for crying out loud, and you've still got Rudy Gay. I'll take San Antonio. Number seven, I know a lot of people are high on this team. I cannot pick a team that high that has Dwight Howard as the center. I went with the Los Angeles Lakers at number seven. Yes, they've got the best player in the world in LeBron James. They may even have the second best player in the world in Anthony Davis as long as Kevin Durant is hurt. But load management will mess with their record this year. You have to remember that the Western Conference is going to be tight. And all the and, and everybody that I'm picking, one through eight here, I really honestly believe only one or two games will truly separate everybody in the Western Conference. And if the Lakers are going to load manage LeBron, if they're going to load manage Anthony Davis, if their center situation isn't any better than guys like Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, and I know they've got Kyle Kuzma on that team as well, I think the Lakers' record could, could suffer because of that. I'm not saying that they won't be good. I'm just saying I could see them losing to everybody that I've got picked before them and the team that I've got picked behind them at eight, which is Golden State. Golden State would have been hired would have been higher had Clay had there been an opportunity for Clay to come back sometime after the All-Star break. I'll put him at eight. Still a pretty decent big three with Steph, Draymond, and D'Angelo Russell, whom I may have called D'Angelo Williams earlier in the podcast. If I did, I'm sorry about that. It's D'Angelo Russell. Put some respect on his name. What I don't like about Golden State is their thin bench. So where does that leave Oklahoma City? 
I've got Oklahoma City at night, provided this team stays together, followed by Sacramento and Dallas at 10 and 11. Sacramento's another team that if for some reason Golden State falters and that bench can't produce when key players are 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 off the floor, which I would think you know Steve Kerr is going to keep at least one of his key players on the floor at, at all times, but for some reason that bench falters. And again, we are talking about the razor-thinnest of margins that are going to separate all these teams this year in the West. It's not out of the realm of possibility to see De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Hield, who just signed that brand-new contract for $94 million, and the Sacramento Kings make the playoffs this year. Possibly Dallas, and maybe... I mean, yeah, maybe our beloved Thunder will make it too, but they're going to need a lot of help. So just to review, Denver, Utah, Portland, the Clippers, Houston, San Antonio, the Lakers, and Golden State are my eight teams going to the playoffs in the West. That wraps it up today. I'm Eric G. We'll be back to break down the Utah game tomorrow. And until then, may God bless you and your family. Everybody love everybody. Peace, love, and Thunder You are locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.